All right, First Peter chapter 5, if you want to turn there with me. Um, we're talking about, um, really we've been looking at the area of suffering uh, in First Peter, and Peter continues this idea of suffering uh, for those who are suffering in their faith in Jesus Christ. And it's not a strange thing uh, that we suffer for Christ in, in, in the faith that we stand in in him. And in fact, we should expect it. Uh, actually, uh, the last teaching that we went over, we should rejoice in it as well, and thus bring in glory to the Lord in the midst of the suffering and through the suffering that you and I go through uh, because of our faith in Christ Jesus. So as we continue chapter 5, um, Peter continues this theme of suffering, and he mentions four things in these next 14 verses in this chapter. Uh, number one, he deals with shepherds, and that's in verses 1 through 4. And he deals, number two, with submission in verses 5 through 7. Number three, he deals with sobriety in verses 8 through 11. And then in verses 12 to 14, he deals with uh, the salutation. And so today we're going to look at shepherds and, and what is that all uh, what does that entail? So let's just read the first four verses. First Peter chapter 5, uh, look at verse 1. It says, The elders who are among you I exhort, and I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, or but but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, being uh, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And so Peter, he's clearly dealing with uh, shepherds in this text today. We would say the pastors, the overseers, the, the leaders, if you will, the flock of God. And the church was experiencing persecution at this time. Just as, let's get the setting here, right? You guys remember, this is during the time of Nero. Um, remember Nero, uh, he blamed the Christians for the fires and, and thus persecution broke out to the believers. And, and they were literally watching their, 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 you know, their children and their brothers, their sisters, you know, dying right in front of them. And so real life was serious to, to them, the believers back in the day at this point. And so Peter is encouraging uh, the elders, the shepherds, the pastors, if you will, these overseers, uh, that they would be well grounded in the word of God, that they wouldn't be... Um, uh, you know, just like new believers, you know, and, and not knowing the word of God and just being quick to get thrown into position. And, and the Bible says, uh, that a novice, right? That the novice is not to be in, uh, that position, uh, because you gotta be well grounded in the word of God and know the word of God and, and to be mature spiritually. And, and that they could lead the flock of God practically. Uh, this whole idea of, you know, suffering. Imagine that, uh, having a, you know, great pastor, if you will, but who's young in the faith, and yet 
when suffering comes on, they're out the door. They're like, good luck, guys. I'll see you later. I'm out of here. Whoa, it's getting hot in here, right? And they, they take off. That's horrible. So Peter's saying, hey, I, these spiritual leaders, these, they, they ought to be mature. They ought to, they ought to be the example to go through the suffering so that the body of Christ sees it, right? They're taking the lead, meaning going in front. And, and, and the body of Christ is watching it. So it's real to the pastor as well, to the overseer, uh, to the elder here. And so the context deals with the church corporately, right? So to the elders, to the pastors, the overseers, to the, um, the leaders, but also to the rest of the congregation, to the body of Christ as a whole. And Peter outlines for us five things uh, in the context here in First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. And so let's look at... Um, let's note who Peter exhorts. Look at verse 1. It says, the elders. The elders. Now this word, um, exhort, by the way, it says, the elders who are among you, I exhort. That's the parakaleo, right? That's the... Um, it's a compound word. So para, alongside, kaleo means to call. And so Peter was called to come alongside the body of Christ, right? The, the elders of the church, according to our text right here. And a, a lot of de- denominations, they have a lot of weird, wacky ideas as to how the church um, leadership goes and, and who's the church leader and, and what's that position and there's all kinds of weird, you know, this person wears that kind of a hat and this person wears a Superman cape and that, you know, it just gets weird. And so, uh, by the way, turn with me to Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Um, Ephesians 4. It's important to understand that there are four offices uh, in church government. Paul mentions four uh, of these offices in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, turn with me to Ephesians 4, look at verse 11. Ephesians 4, 11, it says, And he himself, speaking of Jesus Christ, right, gave some to be, number one, apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And by the way, note that word. Did you guys catch that key word right there in that whole thing? Some. Did you guys catch that? Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and not some teachers, but and teachers. So since that word some is not in front of the word teacher, um, it's believed you know, to be pastor teacher, to be, they, they, they couple it together basically. And, and I, I understand, you know, some people, they disagree and they're like, no, you know what? Um, there's five different offices and, and, and the pastor and the teacher is clearly distinct and, and they're separated from one another. And I do agree, you know, I've, I've seen teachers who are really good teachers, but they're not so good pastors, right? And I've seen some really good pastors that are not so good teachers, so I could kind of understand that as well. But note that there are four offices that are based uh, off of the text here, grammatically, I guess you can say, right? So according to the grammar and how it's using the word some, it doesn't use the word some with teacher, so it's it's really four offices is what we're going to say because of the grammar given to us. And, and apparently there are three separate people that hold these four offices. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, one person mentioned out of these four offices, 
is the elder, right? In verse 1 right here, the elder. And that's the presbyteros, right? That's the, used 67 times in the New Testament. It's where we get our English word. You could literally just, you know, speak it into English, right? Uh, Presbyterian is where we get that word from. And it simply means older or mature. So spiritually mature, we would say. And one who is grounded in the word of God, uh, one who knows the word of God, one who is applying the word of God. Really, it's one who is on their knees for the body of Christ. They're constantly bringing the body of Christ before the throne of God in prayer, right? They're just, they're, they're, they're soaking the congregation in, in, in a sense, right? In prayer and bringing everybody before the Lord. But they know the word of God. They know the scriptures. And, and it's a beautiful thing. I love, I love, um, you know, I, I grew up with a lot of guys in ministry uh, back in the day, and, and uh, it's just so cool for those who are teachers, those who are pastors now, and and uh, I just reflect back on, you know, our life back in the day, you know, when we get together, we'd be in the Word, we'd just be constantly in the Word, and then we're like, all right, man, hey, I'll talk to you later, and then we go to our rooms, and what are we doing? We're still in the Word, right? <laughs> you just know the Word, you just want to know God's Word, it's just a desire that's always there, and it's so cool. But let's come to the second person. The second person is often mentioned in the Bible as the bishop, right? So in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, the first seven verses uh, clearly lays out the qualifications for the bishop. And that bishop is the word episcopal, right? It simply means an overseer, an inspector, if you will, and, and one who watches over the flock. We would call him the pastor, Right. And, and so the elders is really who they are. So they are, uh, spiritually mature. And the bishop really speaks of what they do. They, what? They oversee. They, they are the inspectors, if you will. And so the elder and bishop are used interchangeably. And, and look at first Peter chapter five. Look at verse two. It says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers. Now that word overseers is the exact same Greek word uh, as bishop, the episcopal. So uh, very interesting. So clearly the elder, the bishop, the overseer, uh, the pastor oftentimes can be used interchangeably and they minister um, to the spiritual needs more so, right, of the flock of God. Now there's the third person uh, in the Bible of these offices, and it's the deacon. And and the deacon, the diakonos, right, in the Greek, the deacon is a servant, and the deacon is a, a waiter. And his qualifications are clearly outlined, First Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. And the deacon, we would say, is the usher, or the servants, or the waiter, if you will. And, and he cares for the physical needs of the body of Christ. So uh, the men and women who are ushers, who are deacons, um, it's a blessing. They're servants. They're waiting uh, on the people. They're coming alongside the people. And by the way, speaking of the word servant, it's not just for the deacons. It's for all these offices, right? Don't get that idea that, you know, 
at the bottom of the food chain is the servants. And then finally, once they achieved, you know, certain status and they've given so many years, they've been rewarded this next level. And now they're a pastor and they made it. Wow. Yay. It's not like that. I know the, the Mormon church has something set up like that. Scientology, right? They're like, give you a couple million and we'll give you, we'll talk to you about aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's like the next level and the next level. Christianity doesn't work that way. It's, it's not about what you can achieve and what you can work for and what you can become. It's about Jesus. That's what ministry is all about. It's about where and who he's called. It's about calling in your life and where the Lord has called you to. And that's the area he's going to equip you and he's going to grant you the grace that is sufficient for the area of ministry that he's called you to. Right? And so it's naturally going to supernaturally just flow through you and and it's going to be natural. It's not something you work at. It's not you're not trying to produce fruit, right? And you're like, oh, I can't do it. You can't. But it, it, the Lord will equip you, and He'll do that work in you naturally. It's such a cool thing. I remember um, back in the day, I was just so angry. Everything fell apart in my life, and I knew it was the Lord. I knew exactly what He was doing, but I, I didn't know what He was doing. And I remember climbing up a mountain. There's coyotes around me. Literally, there were like there were there's two of them walking next to me. It's twelve o'clock at night. I'm looking up at the stars, you know, and I was just praying to the Lord, and I was like, Lord, I was broken. I was all in tears, and I was like, I know you're doing something, and I ain't going anywhere, Lord, until you, you gotta speak to my heart, cause I know you're doing it. What is it? And, and, and uh, it, I thought it would be a couple hours freezing out there, <laughs> Lord, yeah. But, but immediately the Lord spoke to me uh, as to where He wanted me to go. I didn't understand it. But the next morning I went to church and, and, uh, the pastor's wife was like, what do you think of? And she mentioned the word that the Lord spoke to me. And I was like, what does that mean? The Lord just spoke to me on that. That's where the Lord wants me to go. What does that mean? And, and she's like, it's a Bible college in California and the Lord put it on our hearts and we're going to fully fund you to go there. And I was like, wow, what did I do? I immediately got in my car and took off to California. <laughs> I was out of it. I didn't have any money or anything. And, and I even surprised them when, and I called them and I was like, hey, uh, all the rooms are filled up. And they're like, you're not supposed to go now. <laughs> Next semester, probably. I was like, oh, well, it's now. The Lord spoke to me and I'm there. And it, I think it's just so cool. And the Lord calls you um, to something. It's it's just, it's a beautiful thing. And he provides the way. And the Lord did. And they, they were like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. We don't have a room for you. And I was like, oh. And I, I went and I prayed, you know. And, and some lady came up to me. She's all, let's pray. And I was like, yes, thank you. And she was like, she had so much faith. She's like, guess what? Don't worry about it. The Lord knows exactly what he's going to do with you. You're going to be in this semester and, and uh, he'll provide. Another lady walked up after we prayed and she was like, hey, are you looking for maybe getting an apartment and, and, and being off campus? And I was like, I didn't even think of that. And she's like, well, there's another guy over here and another guy. And we got together and, and we were the off, you know, the, the, that semester, we're the off-campus crew that everybody knew, and it was just so cool how the Lord, He established it, and He made it. It's the same thing in ministry. When He calls you, He'll provide, right? Wherever He guides, God provides. That's a Calvary slang right there. Um, and it's so true, though. And I, now, being, um, going back to the, the, the servant, though, is you're always a servant. If you're called to any, any, any ministry in in, in the church, you're called to serve, right? It's, it's, you're never gonna get to above servants, right? You're always gonna 
come to servants and you stay at servant. In fact, that's something that our flesh, we don't like. We, 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 we just kind of like, oh, I don't want to be a servant, right? And, and naturally, that's your flesh. And, but Jesus taught, taught us in John 13, you guys remember, he's washing the feet of the disciples, and they're like, oh, what are you doing, you know? And they had that same mentality. But after Jesus explains it to Peter, who wrote First Peter here, um, he's like, Lord, not only my feet, but my whole body. <laughs> Jesus is like, yeah, you didn't get the idea here, man. But it's just your feet. And, uh, so, but you're always going to be a servant, right? Some people serve better than others, right? There's, you walk in the restrooms and you're like, you clean that toilet? Really? <laughs> and they, but they did it from their heart, right? And then at the end, the end of the day, uh, that's really what we're going to be judged is, is the heart that you, you gave onto the Lord. And remember, it's onto the Lord when we're serving one another, right? It's not, it's not just meeting the need because the need needs to be met. You're, coming alongside and you're serving the Lord, you're honoring the Lord, you're giving onto the Lord. In fact, when you guys came to church this morning, if, if you're coming to give, and I'm not talking financially, but give from your heart, you want to, you're not just coming to receive all the time, right? We want to come and we want to glorify God and the gifts that God has given us. It's not a one-man show, is it? Right? It's not, it's not like coming and watching a movie. Hopefully you're coming to church and you're, you're, you're the body of Christ and you're working together in the area that God has called you. You're, you're, you're exercising that gift that He's called you in, right? And you're encouraging the body and you're, we're building each other up. Let's come to the second thing, uh, before I keep rambling on. Um, we're gonna look at is the why. Why can Peter exhort these shepherds, these pastors? Well, he gives us Three reasons why he can exhort these these pastors in verse 1. Peter can exhort them because, number one, he is a fellow elder. Notice there in verse 1, I am, who am a fellow elder. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, uh, Peter is the... He's the pillar of the faith, basically. He's the, he's the big dog, basically, right? In Jerusalem, you want to know anything about being a pastor and ministry? You go to Peter, right? He was the guy. And if anything, you know, he could be wearing that Superman cape or that big fish hat those Catholics do, you know, or, or whatever, you know, the scribes and the Pharisees, they want to make a scene and be like, dun, 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 it's me, everybody. And, you know, and, and, uh, but Peter didn't do any of that stuff. Yet Peter, he didn't think himself highly than he ought to think, right? That he put himself with the elders as well. He wasn't above the elders. He was a fellow brother in, in that sense and not above them. So I'm blessed. I, I'm, I'm so thankful um, that the Lord's called me here at this specific fellowship. Um, and I, I thank the Lord because a couple of years, you know, I'm listening to the teachings over online and I'm so blessed and the Lord is filling me up. We got an awesome, we got a blessed teacher, guys. I know there's a lot out there, but he's very discerning. He knows the word of God, uh, very wise and and it's so cool, all all that to know he was my pastor before I even knew he was my pastor. And the Lord called me to Wisconsin. I hated Wisconsin, but I love you guys, right? Don't get me wrong, but but you guys got tornadoes and winter time and winter time, right? And and uh, from Arizona, that's like it's uh, it's crazy. So um, 
But yeah, the Lord called us here, and it's so cool. For six months, you know, we're getting to know the people, and, and, the, and the Lord, just confirmation after confirmation in my heart of like, this is where, and that was the idea when he called us out here. It was just this church. It wasn't anywhere else in Wisconsin. It was just this one specifically. And I, I was just so, it's just so cool. And then the Lord kept confirming it through other people, and they kept coming up to me, and I was like, well, it's kind of like Jesus, right? When he healed somebody, he's like, be quiet, be quiet about it. Don't tell anybody, right? Go your way and and i would tell them i'd be like hey well keep it in prayer that's pretty awesome that you know the lord put that on your heart and and it's cool how it all played out but to come alongside pastor dwight has been a blessing he, this guy is wise he's humble he's simple and and uh but he's got a heart for you guys and i love that about him the people in the hospital they know his name when he comes in hey pastor dwight what right how many pastors do you know are actually visiting you when you're when you're sick and when you're you know you're out of it and i don't I could keep going, but I better not. But he's he's a blessing in, in my life specifically. But um, but yeah, Peter. So he's a witness also of the sufferings of Christ. Notice, secondly, here in verse one in the middle, it says, "In a witness of the sufferings of Christ." So Peter saw it all, man. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He saw the blood, sweat, the right. He saw the tears. He saw he saw the cross. For three and a half years, or three years, however much it was, he walked with Christ. He saw the sufferings and uh, of Christ and the things he went through, and 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 he witnessed the sufferings of Christ. And that word "witness," by the way, is the word "martyr." Is where we get the word "martyr." It means simply you're laying down your life freely, right? You're willingly laying down your life, and and you're saying, "Well, here's my head," right? They're like, "Deny Christ, or you're going to get your head." Here it is. <laughs> And, and you're, you're giving your life because of your faith in Christ, right? And so Peter, number three, he was a partaker of the glory that would be revealed. A partaker of the glory that would be revealed. Notice there in verse one, also a partaker of the glory that would be revealed. So Peter understood he was going to see Jesus face to face. He knew it. In fact, if you guys remember, if we look back to your left in, in verse 13 of chapter four, he said, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. That's awesome. Peter understood that he would be a partaker of the glory of Jesus Christ one day. And really, guys, one day, for, what is it, First Thessalonians 4, uh, 7, 16, 17, right? We're going to be caught up in the clouds with Christ. It's going to be, it could be any minute. The other day, I was talking to my kids about the rapture, and they were like, and they were more excited about, you know, the rapture happening instead of going ice skating, right? Because I was pumping them up about that. And then I talked to them about the rapture. And I was like, guess what? We may not even wake up in the morning. We all might be in heaven right away. Isn't that cool? And they're like, yeah. And they're talking about, you know, the, the, the glass of the streets. So it's like transparent gold. And um, it's they're so cool. And then my son woke up crying in the morning to my wife. And he's like, the rapture didn't happen. <laughs> so I love that. My daughter's like, she's planning her birthday already. And she's like, I want to have scripture uh, games and a bunch of verses all over the place. And I was like, stop it. (laughs) Just so cool. Um, Anyways, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're going to be with the Lord one day. And But please understand me, guys, that Peter was not able to do what he did 
because of who he was, he was able to do what he did because of his personal relationship with Jesus Christ, right? It's, it's through Christ and in Christ that anything in ministry is ever done, right? Understand, servant leaders, we can't establish real relationships until we first established a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, right? There's no such thing as ministry if you don't even know Christ, right? There's a lot of people that begin well, and then they just don't even bother reading the Bible. They don't have that quality time with the Lord. And and what is, what's ministry? Really, you're, what are you running off of, right? This is our fuel as believers. We fuel up on the Word of God. And, and, and parents, you guys understand, right? Your relationship with your, your, with, really with Christ needs to be number one, above your kids. Right. And because of your personal relationship with Christ, it's naturally going to flow to your children and they're going to see it because they see when you're not real. They understand it. You're just giving them religion. If you're like, put your hands together, pry, read, <laughs> right? Go to sleep, right? And, uh, but they, they know when it's just, when it's not real. They see the, the joy that you have and the, the delight that you have when, when you're spending quality time with the Lord and they know that that's your time with the Lord and they see it and they, they begin to tremble before the Lord and they catch that fear of the Lord as well. And it's a beautiful thing. So, um, ministry is all about Jesus. It's all about, it's always been about Jesus, right? And, and others, by the way, they're going to follow behind, right? And, and, uh, the, and, and that's a sad thing as well, is others as well will not follow that narrow road that we're on, right? And, and, but that's what ministry is. We're not working on to the people, we're working on to Jesus. Amen, church? We're working on to the Lord, and we want to glorify the Lord. We want to honor the Lord. We want to please the Lord in all that we do. And, and it is a fearful thing. Anything that you're doing for the Lord is something that you need to really step back and, and, and make sure it's not you. <laughs> right? It's, it sounds weird if you're not a believer. You're like, what? But, uh, even back here, when we're praying, normally the, the first thing before service, we, we pray all the time and, uh, it's usually, Lord, help. <laughs> Lord, less of us and more of you, and, and that you would speak, and that you would do work, and, and uh, for us to get out of the way, right, and just watch watch him do that work, and that's the idea. It's not about us. God doesn't need you and I. Should I say that again? God doesn't need you and I for ministry. He really doesn't. He could do anything. He could call down the legions of angels. He could do whatever he wants. He wants to do a work. He desires to do a work in you and through you. But for you to be open and available and flexible in the spirit, right? To be used by him, but to do what he's called you to do on to him, back onto him, right? So you're, you're giving him the glory for what he's enabled you. And now you're performing what is good, but it's not you, right? It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord in Zechariah 4, 6. So you back off, but you're just staying available to what he wants you to do. And it naturally is going to happen. It's a beautiful thing when you're called to the ministry and whatever you're doing, it just, it's naturally happening because that's where the Lord has you. And so, Let's come to the third thing here. Uh, what, what Peter exhorts them to do. Notice in verse 2, uh, it says, Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers. So Peter is commanding them 
these elders, right, to shepherd the flock of God. And Peter deals, first of all, with shepherds. By the way, turn with me to um, John chapter 21. John 21. Um, Shepherd, by the way, it means to feed, to nourish, to tend, uh, to oversee. And this word shepherd does go along with the elder, the bishop, by the way, And this becomes significant since we see this interaction with Jesus uh, that he had with Peter uh, here in John 21. Look at verse 15. John 21, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, this is the same Peter that wrote here in 1 Peter 5. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And, And by the way, that word, these, could be referring back to verse 10, speaking of the fish, or also it could be referring back to verse uh, 14, speaking of the disciples, right? Because they were together with them right there. That was the the the, the context there. And so, uh, do you love me more than these, Peter? Do you love me more than these fish? Speaking of the worldly things, right? The the, the material things. Do you love me more than these, the the people, right, of this world? And 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 wow, Peter, do you love me supremely? Do you love me? more than everything and in anything else. Are you willing truly to surrender your life and follow what I have in store for you? Because in the end, guys, seriously, when you really think about it, God created us. He knows exactly what he desires of us from beginning to end, right? He's He's faithful who uh, will complete it, right? And, and, uh, if you just realize that he already knows what he's doing and he's going to do it, it's just, it's, you back off and, and stop getting in the way, right? Because your flesh could really take over. And really, you, you by not taking heed to the Spirit, are hindering the Spirit because you're not choosing to obey and listen to his voice. And, and, and right here, um, then, then Peter does, right? Jesus said, feed my lambs, right? And, and that's the job of the shepherd, by the way. In fact, look at verse 26. Uh, at the end, he says, tend my sheep. And that word tend is the same word for shepherd, by the way. It's a similar word to feed, right? To feed, to tend, to uh, shepherd the sheep. In fact, look at verse 17. He says at the end, feed my sheep. Right, So being a shepherd involves nourishing the flock, feeding the flock, protecting the flock. And why? Because, well, sheep, sheep are dumb. <laughs> Sorry. But they, they can't defend themselves. They can't cleanse themselves. Right? If it's raining, they fall over. They're like, oh, great, I'm going to die. They, they, they really can't help themselves out too much. They wander off. They get lost. And, and really, no wonder, in Isaiah uh, 53, 6, it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And, and it's a scary thing. You know, you, I think of the disciples. They walked with Jesus for about three years, nonstop. They're proclaiming their love for him, you know, and, and, uh, was it John 6, 66? They all fled. They all left him. And it's like, what? Right? That's like the three sixes in the, in the book of John. Very interesting how that worked out with the mark of the beast there in Revelation. But, um, you and I, by the way, are referred to as sheep throughout the Bible. Very interesting. We're we're dumb. We were dumb lost sheep, right? Before we knew Christ. But he, Jesus, the good shepherd, came alongside and he loved us. We saw that love that he had. Throughout the Bible, when you're reading, it's like love, 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 love. The whole purpose is love. 
God's love for God so loved, he gave, right? It's not God so loved that he wants everything from you. No, he gave of himself for you. And that really sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the entire world, right? Where, where in the, the, the uh, Quran do you see that, right? Where, where in these, the Mormon, you know, like, where did they die for you? Right? Allah never died for you. And in fact, he's dead. <laughs> There's no, it's, it's, it's a sad world that we live in that people choose religion over true love. You and I were created for love. God put eternity within your heart. And I think that's so cool. Secondly, um, by the way, so twice, right? Twice Jesus said, feed my sheep, you know, to Peter. And we are to teach the word of God to the body of Christ, right? Not programs, not hype and hoopla and smoke and glitter and push, right? Riding into the sanctuary on a Harley Davidson, look at me, right? Or a Ferrari or a white horse. Have you guys seen that? By the way, there's a lot of pastors that do that stuff. They have the two double doors on purpose right there by the stage and do-do-do-do, the music the lights and it's like the pastor on ah! it's just woe is you <laughs> woe is i if i ever do something like that we got to be careful we got to feed the sheep it's not about programs and all that guys it's the word of god that nourishes us it's the word of god that strengthens us right it's the word of god that does anything that is good within us that we were created for and so we got to continually rely on the word. In fact, the Bible even throughout the Bible <clears throat> really gives the <clears throat> the idea of taking in the word of God, right? It's like in Hebrews, it's the milk, right? And, and also it's the meat as well. And and it, we got to take it in and we got to grow in it, right? The more you read it, it's like the milk when you're a believer. You're just like, this is so good. You're living off of it. And then as you mature, you need more of it, right? It, it really, it gets meatier and meatier and you're like, how did that happen? I already read that. And you keep rereading it and you're like, right? this is amazing, right? That desire is just still, then you're still learning so much. It's so good. So secondly, Peter deals with, notice here in First Peter, back to First Peter um, chapter 5. It says, it deals with shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. So Peter's talking to the church leaders here. Remember the pastors, the elders, right? And speaking of equality, there's no partiality in Christ, by the way. And, and there's this equality. And pastors are not above the flock. Sure, there's authority. Sure, there's hierarchy. I understand all that, right? I'm not, not trying to, uh, you know, put that down, but we're not better than the flock. I'm no better than you are. We're a team. We're a body. And as a body, we perform together. Amen, church? We walk together. What's, what's, you're really not getting anywhere if that other foot's not going with you, right? You're not getting anywhere if no one's listening. And so, uh, it's, it's, we're, we're God's church. It's not my church. I, I hate it when people say that. They're like, oh, my church? My church is... You know, there's, there's a, back in Arizona, there was this, the cool guy, right? He, he had the cool church, by the way. That was the name of the church. And, and he had the spiky hair, right? That's highlighted. He wore the, uh, he was wearing the, the teenager clothes with the baggy pants and, you know, trying to be of the world. And that's how you meet the world and get to know the world. And he's doing his worldly thing. And, and, uh, but he, his, his, uh, elder on staff there, 
Um, I guess he was teaching, and it was something doctrinally, I forget now, but it was something like far from what the word says. And so he came up to him and said, hey, hey, uh, pastor, you, you said, you know, this, but the Bible says. And, he, he, and, the, and the, this guy just stared at him and said, hey, let me ask you a question. Where, where do you work? And he's all, I'm an electrician. He's all, do I tell you what to do at your job? And he's all, no. He's all, well, then don't tell me what to do at my job. It's either my way or the highway. I take the highway, right? <laughs> Get it out of there. Yikes. Don't, you gotta be careful. Legalism creeps in even into the church and it's a scary thing. But these cool guys, these young novice, right? These young, uh, guys, they, 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 uh, they do meet the Lord, I'm sure, but they get thrown into position too fast and, and some of them it gets to their head and I always gotta take heed and back off every day when I wake up in the morning and lest it's all about me and, you know, uh, oh, the church needs me today, so, oh, I better, better, better hurry up and get there because if I don't get there, wow, the church is gonna be, you know, whoa, is you, you gotta, you better watch out. Remember, remember, God doesn't need us. And and God has called you for a reason. And God will do his work with his church. It's his church. It's not your church, right? And so uh, praise the Lord for that, that God is doing what he's doing. So fourth, let's look at how, how Peter exhorts them to shepherd. Notice there in verse 2, it says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers. Now, Peter gives three contrasts on how to shepherd the flock of God right here in verses two and three. Number one, they should shepherd them not by constraint, but willingly. Notice that it says in verse two, uh, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. So not forcing people into ministry like, you know, you got to do this because you got to help the church. And, and without you, we, we won't have the help. And without the help, then the whole church is just going to fall apart. And oh, right. And people are like, okay. And so they start volunteering. And then what do you know? Six months comes down the road. And, and then you look at them, they're walking like this right? They're so sad. And you're like, what happened? They're, they're all burnt out because they're doing something they were never called into by God. God never gave them the grace to sustain them within that ministry, within that calling, right? It, it was another, so we got to be careful. And I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of going up to people and being like, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Start doing this. And and I got to back off and be like, whoa, <laughs> let the Lord do it. When the Lord prompts you uh, and puts a calling on you, take off, man, and go and do that. Just start doing what God's called you to because you're the church, right? We work together as the body of Christ. Those who are in, in children's ministry are amazing. They, the Lord's called them and, and, and talk about patience God's given them, right? He's given them. I've done children's ministry for a couple of years and I loved it, man. I love kids. I love my kids, but, um, but it takes a lot. There's a lot uh, with that. And it's so cool how God calls them. And really, they're giving glory to the Lord. They're honoring the Lord when they're doing those services and they're teaching the kids. And then they see the reward in the future. They see those kids and they're, they're giving the gospel and they're walking by in the mall and they stop and they're like, whoa, that's my, that's the kid I was teaching back a couple years ago. It's giving the gospel. Yes. Right. There's, there's so much rewards uh, and it, it goes on, but it's so cool. Um, but anyways, 
If, if a church leader asks you, you know, join this ministry, do this, right? Because, you know, without you, we need your help. Be careful. God doesn't need our help, right? Be, be very careful. We want people to do things willingly, uh, to serve the Lord, to glorify the Lord, to honor the Lord, right? So if you feel like you have, you're having a hard time and, you know, you're really just bummed out and you're stressed out, it's like, oh, I gotta go to church today. I gotta go serve today. Please, stop, right? Come to service and, and just, just get fed the word of God. Get back into your devotional times with the Lord and, and back into where the Lord has you. And then, uh, then go back, right? And that'd be great. We were like, we're all for it going back, right? And serving the Lord. But if it's a bummer, we don't want you here, right? The children, are, they would rather go to In-N-Out Burger, right? <laughs> why do we, why come to church? You know, if, okay, open up your, let's hurry, let's get this over with, guys, you know? It's like, seriously, right? If it's a calling, God's going to grant you that passion and that desire in what you do, and it'll be natural, and it'll be so cool. So, um, second contrast Peter gives on how shepherds should shepherd the flock is not for dishonest gain, uh, but eagerly, it says here in verse 2. So if you're going to enter into the ministry for gain, by the way, that's a joke, right? There's no such thing as being rich as uh, in ministry. Really, unless you're on TBN, right? And you're Benny Hinn or one of those guys, right? And you want a, a jet or something. They they got the money, but, but you're going to have to twist scripture and you're going to have to go against. But if you're really going to stick to the scripture, and it's a narrow road, isn't it? Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life, right? In John uh, 14, 6. You're not going to be popular. And really, it's not about money. If you're greedy for more, you're, 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 you're in for a lot of, um, glorifying God, right? <laughs> Suffering and trials, because He's going to refine you and He's going to shape you and bust you and break you and He's going to tear you apart until there's no more of you. And it's a beautiful thing, but uh, He's going to do quite a work on you and, and it's a, it's a good thing. But don't come into ministry thinking that you're going to get something, because ministry is about not getting, it's about giving, right? And it's more like you can't wait to get up in the morning, you can't wait to, you know, you, you get up before your alarm clock and you start praying to the Lord, and you're, you're just, Lord, oh, I can't wait to, to give your word today. It's just, oh, I'm so excited. And at the same time, you're terrified, right? You're like, but I'm not. <laughs> oh, I got to use the restroom, right? And you're running. In, but for me, it's like, I got to be cautious because the words that I speak, I'm held accountable for you as well. The things you do based off of what I say, I got to stand before the Lord one day. And it's a fearful thing, right? I'm standing before the judge of eternity, right? Who, who, re- places you where you go and i know my i'm assured in where i'm going but uh just saying secondly it says right here in verse uh two nor as being lords over those entrusted to you but being examples to the flock so as a pastor i'm not to think of myself more highly than i ought to think right i have i've heard pastors say that that the the same thing where they, they say you know my way or the highway what? <laughs> Seriously? Who are you to think anything of you? Some people get to their head and they become a celebrity all of a sudden. There's a, a guy, um, 
I don't want to mention his name, but he's backed by Greg Laurie. He's a, he's came from the Calvary group and, you know, very popular. He has all these bands come out, but they, they do this like high bidding thing. You know, whoever gives the most, they get to spend lunch with the pastor, right? That's your reward. That's like the top thing. I was like, seriously? And, and I, I could imagine that somebody in the church doing it as a fun joke, but here's the pastor promoting his stuff on video in his own words. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Who do you think you are? So we got to be careful. Um, we, we're to encourage the body, right? But Peter, Peter got this, by the way, going back, uh, Matthew chapter 20, uh, it's in verse 25. Peter, Jesus called them to himself, the disciples, right? He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. In fact, in the next verse, in verse 26, it says, yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your leader, your boss, your what? Your servants, what? We're, we're to be an example to the church by serving the church and coming alongside the church. So in the Middle East, I think it's very interesting how, um, a lot of shepherds, I watched documentaries on, uh, how, you know, different, how they do things and it's very different, right? The, the shepherds would actually drive the sheep, meaning they're behind the sheep, they're whipping the sheep, the dogs are biting at the, the sheep, you know, and the sheep are all messed up because they're getting torn up, and, and the dogs are biting them, and, and, and it's just a horrible thing. There. And that's why, um, by the way, I'm against the whole purpose-driven life title, right, Rick Warren. I remember when that book came out, I looked at the title, and that's all I needed to know. I was like, seriously, who biblically uh, who is mature would even put that as a title that because that is like it really it's an abomination in a sense it's disgusting it's like blah right to the Lord because God does not drive us but he leads us in Israel there's shepherds who lead in front of the sheep and they they call with a certain call right whether it be a whistle or whether it be a sentence or whatever it may be but they're in front of the sheep and the sheep are following his voice right and that's how Christ leads us. We hear his voice and we know him. And, and it's just, it's amazing. But, um, yeah, we got to be careful with, with all those doctrines out there and how they really pervert the word of God and how God's word really uh, puts itself out there. There's an emergent church today and they, they put out so much stuff and they want to, they want to encourage the world, right? Where the body of Christ biblically are encouraging the church only. And it's like, wait a minute, we're to build each other up as the body of Christ and not have a whole bunch of worldliness in the church. I would rather have this size of a group in the church than to have a whole bunch of people in here that are non-believers and then don't know the Lord, right? Because they just want to play church and it, it could get really dangerous in that sense. So we as a church ought to be the church, right? We got... We, we go out and we reach out and we give the gospel and we disciple them, build them up, right? And we bring them to church and they get built up by because we're going through the word. But um, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that's what a true leader is. A true leader is one who follows Christ. And that's somebody that you should follow as well if they're following after the Lord. So let's come to the fifth reason, and that's, the uh, behind the, this ex exhortation that uh, Peter's giving in verse four, uh, it says in verse four, 
And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So what is the reason or the purpose behind the exhortation to the elders of the church, uh, the shepherds, to, to over the flock of God? Well, it involves a reward. It, it involves a crown of glory. This speaks of eternal life as a result of serving the Lord. And notice in verse 4, verse 4, it speaks of Jesus being the chief shepherd, that when he appears, all right, and is returning, he's going to return for his sheep. In John chapter 10, uh, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, right? The good shepherd, he dies for the sheep. What, what's going to happen when, you know, the, there's guns all of a sudden at the doorway and, and, and then it, the suffering really gets heated on and your pastor's a novice, right? One who doesn't know the word of God, one who's not mature spiritually in the word. They're going to abandon ship. Good luck, guys. See you later. <laughs> I'm out of here. And, and what was that? What? Right? But a true shepherd, a, one who is in ministry onto the Lord, dies for the sheep. And, and we are following the example that Christ uh, set for us as well. In fact, in Hebrews 13, verse 20, Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. And so Jesus lives for his sheep. And when we look at our lives and, and who we're leading, you know, we need to understand these principles and the things that we're going through in our life because there's a reward waiting for us at, at the end. And I could care less about, you know, I understand that there's going to be a reward, you know, a crown, you know, a reward. But my reward now is Christ Jesus. Like, seriously, you have your reward already. We're working from and on to at the same time, but you already have your crown. You already have your glory in that sense. It's Christ, and anything above, there's nothing above, right? So for me, it's like I'm not really looking forward to anything when I get to heaven because I already have Christ. He's all. He's our all in all, right? He's our He's our sufficiency. He's our is everything to us. He completes us. But there will be a crown. There will be a reward. And what are we going to do with that reward? The moment you gave your life to Christ and you were born again, you said, I surrender all, right? And during life as a believer, you're saying, I surrender all. Lord, you're, you're laying down your life. And then when you get to heaven, what are you still doing? I surrender all, right? And you're still surrendering everything onto the Lord because you know it's not about you and it's all about Christ, right? And what he's done in and through your life and that it wasn't you and the reason why you got there was because of his grace, right? And so you're grateful for him alone. He is our reward. We're working from and to in every direction because of Christ Jesus, right? He's our reward. It's a beautiful thing. So I encourage you guys as the body of Christ to keep looking to Christ in all things, right? Ministry gets crazy when ministry gets great. Keep looking to Christ because he's our, he sustains us, right? He holds us together and he will equip you and I, for the work that he's called us to, because he's faithful. Even when we're faithless, he's still faithful. And 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 there's going to be a reward at the end as well, right? And we're still going to be laying that before the Lord. Whatever your achievements are in that sense, you're still, you get to honor the Lord with that. And here you go, Lord. And so I think it's so cool. So let, you guys want to stand and let's pray. Thank the Lord for, um, really for his goodness and what he's doing. Um, Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, that your, 
you're able to do above and beyond, Lord, to complete in us the things that you called us to. And I do ask, Lord, for the body here that you would encourage us, Lord, that you would equip us by your word, that we would continue to know you and to, to turn to you. Uh, and for those who have been running from your word and, and not uh, spending that quality time, Lord, that devotional time with you, that you would bring them back, Father, and that they would really have that rekindling done within their hearts, that they would burn for you, Father. Your word would burn within them, that they couldn't contain it. I pray that you would do that work and that you would, uh, Lord, that you would just bless your name with our fellowship here. And I pray that you would uh, continue just to equip us, Lord, for the work of the ministry. In Jesus' name, amen.